Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. If you're, if, you're, if you're taking notes, to understand chapter 3 of the book of Acts, you have to understand first. You've got to kind of go back a little bit and understand the promise that Jesus made. You've got to go back to like Acts 1, and then we'll go back to even John. But let's start with the book, uh, Acts 1, cha- chapter 1, uh, verse 1 and 2. You find these words. In the first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. Here's the part I want you all to focus on. Luke, the great physician, very meticulous in his study, very meticulous in his writing, he researched the world out of this information about Jesus. Now, he didn't walk with Jesus personally, but he did extensive research, left his practice to do extensive research to understand this man, Jesus. Luke says this, watch this. In the first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. In other words, Jesus began something but left it to the rest of his disciples to complete it. That's the part I want us to focus on, and we're going to get somewhere. He began something, but left it to some others to complete. Watch this. If you have your Bible with you, I want you to jump over to John 14, verses 11 and 12. It's a very familiar passage, but I'm going to pull all of this together for you, and it's going to make sense in just a minute here. Watch this. John chapter 14, verses 11 and 12. This is so amazing. Just, this is Jesus speaking. How I know because it's in red letters, right? Amen. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. Now remember, they have seen him perform Tons of miracles, feed thousands of people with just a loaf of a couple loaves of bread and fish. He's he's healed people. He's done some amazing things, and they are eyewitnesses. They've seen him walk on water. So here's what he's saying. Watch this in eleven. Just believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least believe. If you don't believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, at least believe because of the work. You've seen me do. Now watch this. This is where it gets good. This is the part I need you to catch. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with my father. Anyone who believes in me 
will do, this is the part you got to catch, will do even greater works. So then he jumps into Luke and says, and Luke says this, I mean in the Acts, and Luke says, what Jesus began, it was all a setup. Jesus was setting the disciples up. He says, I'm going to start something, but you guys are going to finish it. And he was not talking about the disciples. He was talking about us. We would be the finishers of this thing he started. They got it going. He said, the gates of hell will not prevail. He says, share the gospel to the ends of the earth. And many of y'all don't know, but America is the end of the earth. If you look at how, how everything is designed and where Christianity started, we are the end of the earth. So the gospel has already reached its point. But there's still a lot of people, millions of millions of people who've never, ever heard the word of God. So here is where we're going to get into it. Here's where the meat gets going. This is where we, we get into the meat of it. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, and then I'm going to jump down to the important scripture I want us to focus on. So now we're in chapter 3, and you got Peter and John doing what they normally do. They're going to the temple to worship, and it's in the middle of the day. And there's a man that's there who's been sitting outside of the temple brought by his family and friends every single day. They carry him, sit him outside of the temple so that he can beg. Now, now there, there's something interesting about this I want to share with you. Some of y'all may be like, well, why didn't he just go in the temple? Why didn't they carry him in the temple? Well, because of his condition, he was disabled. He was not allowed to go into the temple. He was considered impure. There was something wrong with him. He could not go worship with the other people. Uh, they, they took stuff like that very serious. So for several years, matter of fact, the Bible says over 40 years, anybody in here 40, don't raise your hand. Don't tell on yourself. Men, you can, but ladies, you know, we keep that person. My father always said, never ask a woman her age or her weight. But men, any men here over 40? Okay. Now you that are not 40, imagine you know, wherever age you are, somebody taking you every day, every 365 days, taking you to the temple, sitting you out there and you're begging. That's your job. That is your, that is how people recognize you. That's how they know you. They don't know your name. All they know about you is that you're the person that's outside the temple, always begging. And for over 40 years, this guy's family did this and dropped them off in front of the temple to beg. Never got healed, never changed. Here's a part that really tripped me out as I was doing a, a deep exegetical study of this particular text. That means I studied it a little bit, y'all. You, do y'all know if you read the Bible, the Bible tells us that Jesus went to this very temple? So that means that at some point, Jesus walked by this guy? When I read that, and studied this text, it bugged me out of like, why, Jesus, you've healed the blind man, you've healed lame people, why'd you just walk by this guy, this very same temple that this guy was at, our Lord and Savior has gone to, but never did the Bible record that Jesus healed him. That puzzled me, but I'm going to explain that to y'all later, why that happened that way. Y'all will get it in a minute. You'll leave here. Hallelujah. In just a minute here. So back to what I was saying. So the guys out here outside begging, 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 begging. And all of a sudden here comes Peter and John. They're walking by and the guy says, hey, you know, hook me up. 
I need some money. And Peter and John like, you know, we don't have any money. But I tell you what, what we do have is even greater than money. What we have, money can't buy. You can't, listen, you can't even go to Walmart and get this off the shelf. What we're about to give you, Amazon won't carry it. No doctor has what we're going to give you. And I know this guy sitting there like, man, I really want the money. I've been collecting money for over 40 years. I've been supporting my family. I've been supporting myself. I need the money. Show me the money. Y'all know the movie. But the guy, you know, Peter says, no, we want to heal you. Get up, rise up. And the guy got up and he started jumping and shouting. Then he went into the temple and this is what I want to focus on. If we, if we read this story in the Bible, we would think that this whole story is all about miracles. But my brothers and sisters, I want to tell you today, that story is not, has nothing to do with miracles. I know y'all are puzzled, right? The Bible says that was a miracle. Yes, it was a miracle, but the story has nothing to do with miracles. It has everything to do with faith. And the right faith, the right focused faith, is what that particular scripture is all about. This story has nothing to do with miracles, but has everything to do with faith. So here it is. Peter, Holy Ghost comes on him, comes, comes alive in him. He preaches his very first sermon. 3,000 people instantly become followers of Christ. Then he goes to the temple this, heal, this man is healed. There are a bunch of people there outside the temple, and they're looking around wondering like, whoa, how did this happen? What, what, what did you do? This is, this is incredible. And Peter takes another opportunity to do what he did before and preaches. Here's what I want to point out. Every time that a, a physical miracle happens, Peter, in the very early stages of the church, takes the opportunity to share the word of God, which is what is what is a transforming thing that happens. It's not the miracle that's happening. It's the word of God that transforms them and converts people. And the Bible tells us later on that after he preached this sermon, 5,000 men, fathers, y'all hear that on Father's Day, 5,000 thousand men the bible says that didn't include women or children five thousand men became believers in christ after he preached so i'm gonna tell you how all of this comes together let me talk about miracles for a minute just so we can get that out of the way if you're taking notes the first thing you ought to know is that humans don't control the miraculous Humans don't control the miraculous. Now, I know some of y'all have clicked on the television in the middle of the night and you've seen people do stuff like this and people all of a sudden are falling out. Yeah, yeah, that's, I don't know what it is. I can't say it's show. I'm not there. I got to go and see if it happens to me. If it happens to me, then it was real. If it doesn't happen to me, I'm sitting here like I'm questioning what just happened here. We don't control the miraculous. And, and here's a part I know. Every single person in here at some point in their lives wish that we did have control of the miraculous. We, we, we wish that we could perform a miracle for a loved one that was on the deathbed. We wish that we could perform a miracle in our finances. Some of us have wished that we could perform a miracle in our marriages, in our jobs, in our careers, whatever. We wish that we had the power to say right now a miracle should happen. 
But here's the thing I want to share with you all. Humans, we do not control the miraculous. The Holy Ghost lives within us, but yet and still, we do not control the miraculous. We don't have that power to control miraculous things. Watch this, Acts 3, verses 12 and 13. Peter saw his opportunity, and he addressed the crowd. He says, people of Israel, what is so surprising about this? And he's talking about this miracle that they just witnessed. And they're sitting there like, oh, wow, this guy's been here for over 40 years. He hangs out with you guys, and all of a sudden, the guy is breakdancing. He's doing the nay-nay and doing, you know, the wobble. I mean, wow, this is incredible. This is miraculous, right? They're, they're, they're just amazed. And Peter's like, why are y'all amazed? Why, and why do y'all stare at us as though we, me and John, like we had this man, like we made this man walk by our own power. Why are y'all tripping? Thinking that we have the power of godliness. Watch this. He's going to tell him where it comes from. This is so good. Watch this. For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of all of our ancestors. Man, Peter was dope when he said that. You know why? You know why he was so smart when he said that? Because he was at the temple. Who was at the temple? People that were worshiping these same ancestors. He could have said, no, it was the power of Jesus. But they would have been like, nah, man. See, here you go with that Jesus stuff. But he focused on the father. He focused on the father. He focused on... Abraham, as he focused on the father right there, he caught their attention because you got to remember, Peter wasn't one of them. Peter wasn't one of one of those regular uh, uh, people that you saw in the temple before Christ. He was not one of those regular. So so he's quoting scripture. He says, no, no, no. The power comes from uh, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of all of our ancestors who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. Now he throws Jesus in there. See, I got your attention. I'm going to mention Isaac. Y'all know him. Y'all know Abe. I know y'all know Abe. Y'all know Jacob. Y'all love Jacob. But hold on. Did y'all know that they empowered, you know, that, that power is also from Jesus. So now let's get into it. He gets into it. And he, he has their attention. This is what I want to tell you. In Acts 3.16, he tells them, this man was not healed because he had faith in Peter and John. He was healed because of their faith in Jesus. He wasn't healed because he believed uh, 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 everything. He was, he was healed because of the faith of Peter and John in a healing and powerful Jesus. It wasn't him. He didn't have the faith. He didn't know what was expected. Remember, he wanted money. But he got something better. And it was the faith of those people who believed. And here's what I want to tell you all. There are people in your lives right now that, that, that need a miracle in their lives. And it don't have to be no supernatural thing that flies down and boom, bam, and it's instant. You are the catalyst to that miracle that they need in their lives today. And it's your faith. That will help them. It's your faith in Christ that will save them. It's your faith. And, and here it is. You have that faith because God has already shown up in your lives. You've prayed about where you are today and he's blessed you to be where you are. It may not be the way you dreamt it would be. But baby, you got here by the strength of God and the power of God. 
Amen. That's okay. It's okay to clap. We like to clap around here. Eventually, I'm going to get some runners. Listen. Somebody's life is hanging on the limb. You have the power to change that. Peter and John. See, see, watch this. Oftentimes, we look at terrible situations in, in our world and in life, and, and, and we forget about in every situation, God creates good. I'm telling you, it's, it's never, it may not feel good. It may not look good, but in every situation, God shows and creates good. But it's our job to see the God in all that's bad. Remember, he said we are the light. But if you are dwelling in the darkness, you cannot illuminate the light that you are. Y'all will get that in a minute. Marinate on it on lunchtime or something like that. You are the light. So in every dark situation, there is a potential for light. We can look at what happened just in Charleston uh, a few days ago and, be, and just be torn up. And the truth of the matter is we are all brokenhearted. The truth of the matter is we are all confused. The truth of the matter is many people are angry. But last night, uh, well, two nights ago while I was at a wedding in uh, Philly, that's where I just came from, and we sat and had this uh, very deep dialogue about it. And, and people asked this question. They says, how in the world can these people come on TV and just be so forgiving after, I mean, they killed their loved ones. And they're talking about the very next day, talking about, I forgive them. I pray that they find salvation. I pray that they find Jesus the very next day. And people were sitting at this table that I was at, having dinner at, confused, like, how does that happen? Is it genuine? Are they acting? I says, no, they are Christians. Do you, do you remember where the murders happened? They happened in the house of God. And God has already put in their hearts to be forgiven. They're real Christians. They remember how Jesus forgave them a long time ago. They remember Jesus hanging on the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do this is why they have the power to forgive after certain circumstances and do y'all know this morning they had a line outside the door of that church at 7 30 a.m people from all different backgrounds all different uh, social economic status different races different cultures there at 7 30 do you know what happened God showed the world that Christianity is still alive and well. God showed the world that the gospel does transform. God showed the world, says, I'm going to take this mess and show you the miracle that happens in it. Come on, y'all. God takes bad things and he pulls out the good and makes everything redeemable. Now, Cover Bridge, I got something to tell you. I'm sorry about what happened at your church. I really am. I'm brokenhearted. When I got the news from Corey, it tore me apart. But says, but God, God will make it redeemable. He'll use it. I'm sure that I've walked past some of you before, but I doubt that unless we intentionally came together to plan to come together and worship, it wouldn't happen without the intentionality behind it. See, God used a bad situation like what happened at your church to bring us together to show Mableton that we are all one church. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm preaching a little bit this morning, just a little bit. Here's the second point I want to I want to get into you again. Understand this message is not about miracles. It's about faith. But but I need you to understand what faith really is. OK, faith, faith is all about surrendering to a God that is in control instead of you trying to take control. And all of us want to take control a lot of times. Right. 
We want to take control. We want to we take control of the, the, the nastiness of life. We want to put our hands back on the rain. But no, 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 no. That's not faith. Faith is believing in the God who is already in control and you not taking control. Get that in your spirit. Understand that when you face any challenges. Here's the second thing I want to get to you. I got to get through some points here. Miracles, physical miracles. This is going to shock you what I'm going to say right now. I just got to give you some heads up. This is going to shock you what I'm going to say, but it's true. And I'm going to show you how it's true. Physical miracles are not God's top priority. This is why we don't see them all the time. Physical miracles are not God's top priority. Oh, man, that's terrible, Pastor. So, so you mean that, that, that my, my, my mama can't be healed from cancer? Oh, oh man, that's terrible, Pastor. You mean that, that arthritis in my grandma is not going to go away? I've been praying for a miracle for it. Listen, I'm not saying God won't do it. What I'm saying is it's not at the top of his priorities. It's not at the top of his priorities. Watch this. If, if we go to John 9, do you all remember the story uh, about the, 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 the blind man at the pool of Siloam? Okay, there was a guy... A blind man at the pool of Siloam, and this is what you the part that you got to get. There were hundreds of people at this pool hoping that an angel would be sent down that would heal them of their infirmities. Some physical, some spiritual, some emotional. There were hundreds of people there. Jesus comes right over there, points out one man out of hundreds of people hoping an angel will be sent down and heals the one. Why one? Why? And why did you walk past this lame guy? I'm going to get into that in just a minute. Physical miracles are not God's top priority. Watch this. Watch this. Jesus only healed the one. But you know why physical miracles are not on the top of his priority? Because physical miracles create amazement. It's like a show. Did you see that? Nowhere in the Bible have I read where a physical miracle happened and all of a sudden people were converted. You don't believe me? Read it. Read it from the cover to the maps. You'll see. Nowhere in the Bible that miracles happen, physical miracles happen, and people all of a sudden were converted. It was always the word that transformed them. It was the miracle that happened. Oh, wow. Look at that. That's amazing. Wow. That's an incredible trick, Will. Wow. That's amazing. But then all of a sudden... The word was given, and then the transformation happened. The reason why physical, prior, physical miracles are not God's top priority, here's the next point in the next section. Ready? The greatest miracles occur in the heart. This is why physical miracles are not God's top priority. Number one, the greatest of miracles occur in the heart. The miracle of forgiveness Ooh, man, that's a miracle to forgive somebody. I'm serious. No, that's a real miracle. It's a hard thing to do. We can say it all day, man, I forgive you. But, I mean, deep down inside, you're still hurting. Deep down inside, depending on what the offense was, you want to put hands on them. And I'm not talking spiritually with oil. Huh? I'm not the only one. Deep down inside, you want revenge. And you will use scripture and say, the Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So if the, if, listen, I'm going to get payback. We want to do that. Can, can I be honest? 
But the truth is, forgiveness is a miracle. The minute you are able to forgive somebody, a miracle has just occurred. I mean, really forgive them. Forgive them and forget the offense and move on and love them and do something great for them. These people that got on TV the very next day on CNN saying, hey, and that doesn't happen, by the way. They don't do that normally. Where, where, where people, you know, the family of the victims get to speak right away. That, that is like not normal. But when God is in it, everything is abnormal. You know that, right? And they're literally talking to this young man saying, hey, we love you, dude. And he's sitting there like still trying to be angry like, oh, they love me. Oh. He's going to get a breakdown. A miracle is going to occur in even his heart. I guarantee he's only 21 years old. He got, God got plenty of time to work on that young man. Plenty of time. When I was 21 years old, I'm telling y'all, when I was 21 years old, I was radical. That's my testimony. I was a very radical person. I was, I was Islamic when I was 21. So I know God can perform a miracle in that young man's heart. If he can perform, and I'm a preacher now. Wow, that's a real miracle. That's the miracle. But the miracle for these people to get up there and genuinely say, listen, you killed my mama. A mother who witnessed her son get shot. She laid there looking at him. And the gunman tells her, I'm going to let you live because I want you to tell them what I did. And she says her own words, I forgive you. And I hope that, 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 that Christ, uh, that you find salvation through Christ. I'm like, what? You killed my baby. But that's a miracle in itself because it's a difficult thing to do. Overcoming addiction is a miracle. Saving your marriage is a miracle. There's a lot of other miracles that occur in your heart that are far more important than the wow factor of a physical miracle. As a matter of fact, there are a lot of other heart things that happen that last way longer and benefit generations upon generations of your bloodline because of a heart decision you made. When you accepted salvation, that alone was a miracle because not only did it change your life, it changed your family's life. And in turn, I guarantee it changed your community's life. Here's the second reason why physical miracles are not God's top priority, because God is not an entertainer. He's not an entertainer. Watch this. Watch this. In Mark 8, chapter 11, I mean, Mark, Mark 8, verses 11 and 12, watch what happens. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and started to argue with him, testing him. They demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. Do a magic trick for us, Jesus, so that we know that you are Jesus. The thing was, there were a bunch of people doing magic tricks back then. That's why there were so many different cults and stuff going on. There were all kind of sorcerers doing magic. Pharaoh and his people could do magic and all of this stuff. And Jesus is like, I'm not an entertainer, man. I'm not going to entertain you. Here's what he says. He says, when he heard this, he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, oh, guys, why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth. I will not give this generation any such sign. In other words, I am not here to entertain you. This is not one of those things from Gladiator, are you not entertained? No, I'm not here to entertain you. I am here to save souls. I am here for the lost. I'm not here to entertain you. And if, and, and if performing a physical miracle is what is going to convince you, then you won't be convinced today, baby. Even when he was on the cross, what did one of those murderers say? 
if you are, if you are, if you are truly the son of, of God, listen, why don't you just have him get us off this thing, man? If, if you have that kind of power, why don't we just get us off this thing? Get us off these crosses. Get us off these crucifixions. He's like, I'm not here for play play. This is not a game. This is not entertainment. This is lives on the line, generations on the line. I'm not here to mess around with you. Here's what I know. I'm going to tell you, miracles, they only cause amazement. They don't cause transformation. This is why only one was healed. I'm going to tell you about that in one second. I'm, I'm getting there. It's really good, right? It, but the why the only one miracle happened is really good, and you'll understand it. Here's a third point, and I'm going to finish it up here. Physical miracles don't always foster great faith. Physical miracles don't always foster great faith. As I said just a minute ago, they're entertaining. They amuse people. Ooh, look at that. Look at the magic show. Ooh, did you see that hand just grow back? Wow. Ooh, did you see him raise that person from the dead? Ooh, wow. How did he feed people with a couple loaves of bread and some fried fish? Ooh, wow. They were amazed, but nobody, it doesn't, conversion doesn't happen there. Look at Matthew 28, 16 and 17. Watch this. He says this in the Great Commission. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Let me, let me, let me, let me fix that for you. Jesus coming back from the dead, being resurrected, was a miracle. And even the guys who hung out with him the longest doubted. Y'all walking with me? That miracle did not cause a heart stir in them. That was just an amazement. Wow, Jesus is back, but are you really back? Like, is this just like a holograph of you? Is this your cousin? Is it really you? They doubted. That's a miracle that he came back. And the people who had hung out with him three years did everything he did, went places he went, still doubted. Why? Because physical miracles don't convert, don't transform. They just amuse. And this is why God does not put that at the top of his priority, physical miracles. Faith comes, the Bible tells us, faith comes from hearing the word of God. But the truth about who Jesus is and his ministry and faith causes transformation. The miracle sets it up, but it's the word that transforms. The miracle sets it up, but it's the word that transforms eternally. Not just for a moment. The miracle's for a moment, but the word transforms eternally. For generations upon generations, it's not just for you. It's for your generation, the next generation, for your great, 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 great grandkids down the line. This is why physical miracles are not on the top of God's priority. He wants to transform your heart so that you can plant a seed for the next generation. That's good news if I say so myself. Watch this. After they heard the word, I'm just going to give you a little bit about next week. After they heard the word, they saw the miracles. Peter began to preach like he did before. And as I told you earlier, 5,000 men, not including women, came to Christ, became believers. They arrested him. This is what the Bible didn't say. He didn't say the 5,000 people saw the miracle and were like, I'm going to follow Jesus. He didn't say 
5,000 people saw something miraculous happen, and, and, and I'm going to change. He didn't say, oh, man, homeboy that used to be outside of the temple breakdancing and nay and got changed, so I'm going to follow Jesus. No, he said they heard the word of God, and then 5,000 men, not including women and children, were changed. Do you see where I'm going? It was the transformation of the heart, and I think that's what we need in this nation. I talk about it all the time. We need a great revival to sweep this entire nation where hearts are transformed. Not, in the, not this physical stuff. Not this Caitlyn Jenner stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's a heart thing that's transformed. Oh, y'all, y'all, y'all missed that. The heart must be transformed. Final points. Worship team, y'all can prepare yourselves here. Remember what I said? Miracles are four. I said I was going to explain to you why Jesus only healed one. Why he didn't let this happen to this man. I'm about to tell you now why. Miracles are great beginnings. Old Testament even teaches that. Miracles are great beginnings. God called Moses to do something great. He performed little miracles that didn't impress Pharaoh. He turned a staff into a snake and then turned it back to a staff. Pharaoh was not impressed. But there was something that Pharaoh's magicians and sorcerers couldn't do. None of them could part the Red Sea. Only God could do that. So God parted the Red Sea. That was the miracle that started generations of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to be forever changed and claiming the land that God promised to them long ago. Physical miracles are good beginnings. Watch this. He told Abraham and Sarah when they were like a million years old. He says, hey, y'all going to have a baby. They looked at each other like, (laughs) okay, if you say so, God. And what do we know from that? Nations were birthed out of that miracle. The physical miracle is a great beginning. The physical miracle is a great beginning. The physical miracle is the great beginning. Watch this. There was about 120 people. Jesus said, go to this room and y'all chill there for a minute. I'm going to send somebody. I'm calling the advocate. He's going to come your way. And when he comes your way, trust me, things will never be the same. The Holy Spirit came alive in them. Do y'all know Peter the doubter, the one who says, I don't know this guy, Jesus. We, you, you know, you think I'm him. I look like the guy that used to hang with him, but I am not the guy. Denied Jesus, this cowardly man now stands before a whole bunch of people because a physical miracle occurred to start a movement that we call Christianity today. And the gates of hell have never prevailed against it. And it's reached the ends of the earth and it's right here in America. Somebody can say amen. Physical miracles are great starting points, but the real miracle happens in your heart. And I want some people in here to be transformed. The Bible says this, that when we accept Christ into our lives, oh my goodness, we are new creatures. Your old self is gone away. We are new creatures. Watch this. Only thing that I can think of that is a new creature that goes from one image to another is that of a caterpillar which eventually becomes a beautiful butterfly and I believe that 
you and I have a past where we were once ugly, spiked up, looking caterpillars, waiting for prey, I'm serious, the bird to eat us. But we crawled along in the dirt and the mud for a long time, hiding and ducking from the predator who was trying to kill us. And we survived long enough to create a cocoon called the Holy Spirit. And we got up in that cocoon like they did up in that room, the 120. And then after a certain time, we came out of that cocoon and we became new creatures. Somebody say new creatures. All right, let me stop. I'm getting too spiritual here. I don't want to scare my guests this morning. I got any caterpillars in here? I got any caterpillars in here? How about some butterflies? Look at that. There we go. Our worship team is going to come. And as they come, if you said you were a caterpillar, I want you to begin to examine your heart. I want you to begin to examine your heart. I want you to begin to think about what you want God to do. Because I know that deep down inside, what you may be, may be desiring is a physical miracle. But I want you to begin to ask God for a miracle to occur in your heart. I'll be right back to pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.